Hi, this is John, by the way, back to talk about the last portion in the Come Follow Me manual of the book of Acts, Acts chapters 22 through 28. And remember that many have said the book of the Acts of the Apostles could be better titled the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles. But Acts 22 through 28 is is kind of a lot of storyline just about Paul. Basically, it's Paul's journey from Jerusalem to Rome, his trials, his defense, his shipwreck, and his eventual arrival in Rome. And it doesn't speak of his death. That's according to tradition. And when I finish up, I'll tell you some of the thoughts about how Paul may have died. So, Acts chapter 22, Paul speaks to a Jewish crowd in Jerusalem, tells his conversion story, and his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 23, Paul is brought before the Sanhedrin, and a dispute arises between the Pharisees and the Sadducees over his teachings. And Paul is brilliant here because he he brings up the resurrection, and the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, and the old joke is that is why they are sad, you see. And so the Pharisees and Sadducees start arguing with each other, and the Roman commander protects Paul from the Jewish plot to kill him and sends him to the to Governor Felix in Caesarea. Now, this is not Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16. This is Caesarea, they call it Maritime or Maritima, which is right on the coast, kind of a resort town of the Mediterranean there. So, Paul appears before Felix now, and he hears accusations against Paul, but Felix does not make a judgment, and he puts Paul in prison for two years, which is horrible. He's just in this waiting pattern. And, you know, I kind of think about the prophet Joseph Smith being in prison, not being able to do anything for all of the other saints while in prison. And this this is one of those things that would be so hard to try to make sense of what the Lord is trying to do. I'm not doing anybody any good here in prison. You know, and maybe there are some exceptions, some guards, maybe he had the type of imprisonment where he could come out and still preach and things. But Felix was waiting for a convenient season, it says in Acts 24. And, you know, politicians kind of do things like that. And maybe when it's good for me, I'll let you go. Well, in Acts chapter 25, Festus succeeds Felix as the governor. And he visits Jerusalem And the Jewish leaders want Paul's trial to be held there, but Paul appeals to Caesar, and Festus agrees to send Paul to Rome. This is where Paul's Roman citizenship, he can use that to its full advantage. So Paul presents his defense before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26 and recounts his conversion story and basically appeals to both Jews and Gentiles, to everybody, to believe in Jesus. In Acts chapter 7, Paul, along with other prisoners, is placed on a ship to be transported to Rome. They encounter a severe storm. Paul's encouragement and his guidance prevent a large loss of life, but the ship wrecks on the island of Malta. In Acts chapter 28, Paul and others are welcomed by the people of Malta, who show them kindness, and eventually they reach Rome. And Paul is allowed to live in his own rented house while awaiting trial. And again, he preaches to both Jews and Gentiles which is fulfilling of his mission. The book of Acts ends with Paul's imprisonment, but the gospel is now spreading throughout the Roman Empire. So again, we don't get any 
exact scriptural detail of the death of Paul. Just a couple of things I wanted to mention that are, one of them is just kind of selfish, it's just kind of fun for me to mention, and that is that the term the way was often used to describe Christianity. They started calling them Christians later on, but sometimes in King James you'll see those who were of that way or those who were of the way. In the NIV, the New International Version of the Bible, they actually capitalize the way, which is kind of an early name of the church. And I've jokingly said in the past that I like that because that's like two-thirds of my last name is the way. <laughs> so I'm reading now from the Religion 211-212 Institute of Religion Manual, which is a great resource if you want something that has more detail than the Come Follow Me Manual. This is something you can get on your Gospel Library app. You go to, what is it, adults, then young adults, then institute, then manuals, and you'll find religion, 211, 212. So this is what it says on page 325. In Acts, the term the way is often used to refer to Christianity. It denotes the path or course of Christians. Central to Christian belief is the doctrine that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation and that through him all will be resurrected. Paul declared that the real reason the Jews opposed him was his belief in the resurrection. However, he asserted that his message of the resurrection was not heresy, but was identical to the long-held hope of the Jewish nation. So, President Monson spoke of that universal hope of resurrection in a talk called I Know That My Redeemer Lives, which was April General Conference of 2007. This is what President Monson said, quote, Through tears and trials, through fears and sorrows, through heartache and loneliness of losing loved ones, there is assurance that life is everlasting. Our Lord and Savior is the living witness that such is so. With all my heart and the fervency of my soul, I lift up my voice and testimony as a special witness and declare that God does live. Jesus is his Son, the only begotten of the Father in the flesh. He is our Redeemer. He is our Mediator with the Father. He it was who died on the cross to atone for our sins. He became the firstfruits of the resurrection. Because he died, all shall live again. That's President Monson's testimony of the resurrection. I just think when you read what Paul did when he was there with the, the Sanhedrin, he knew he could get them distracted by bringing up the resurrection, because they argued that so much with, with each other. Now, basically, in Acts 26, we hear Paul's speech before Agrippa. Now, who is this King Agrippa? Okay, long name, Herod Agrippa II, also called Marcus Julius Agrippa. He was the seventh and last king in the Jewish Herodian dynasty. So, he was the son of Herod Agrippa I, who ordered the death of James and imprisoned Peter in, in Acts chapter 12. So he knew the Jews, and he knew Jewish customs. Don't think of him as a Roman king. This was a Herodian king. And so I like when Paul gets up to speak what he says to Agrippa. I'm in Acts chapter 26, verse 2. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. 
My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? And this is, you know, because most Jews accepted the idea of resurrection. Now the Greeks and the Greek philosophers didn't. Why would you want your body back? That's gross. Continuing, verse 9 of Acts 26. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Imagine having that on your conscience. Verse 11. And I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them, even unto strange cities. Or foreign cities, the footnote says. Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commissions from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So what's a great summary. He's not entirely done, but what I, what I love about this is that Paul has had to retell this story a few times now, and they sound a little different. A lot of people are bothered sometimes by different accounts of the first vision. Well, they have different details in them, which is fine. They shouldn't be bothered by this or by that. Anyway, so Paul continues his defense. Let's go to verse 21. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than that than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. And I like that part too because the rumors that were going around was he was saying to forsake Moses or for forget Moses. And he's saying, actually, these are the things which Moses said would come. So the idea of fulfilling the law of Moses is different than destroying Moses. And Jesus has to say that over and over again in the Book of Mormon. I think one of my favorite phrases in verse 26 of Acts, is this one. The king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. And that's a great phrase, and you've heard probably lots of talks about that idea. 
that this is done openly. This was not done in a corner. This wasn't a secret combination or conspiracy. Now, what I love King Agrippa's response in verse 28, then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am, well, except these bonds. <laughs> when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice, and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. Well, yep, now they've got to send him to Caesar in that perilous voyage that is spoken of in Acts chapter 27. And you can read about that journey. Now, how did Paul die? I thought this would be interesting to talk about. Because it doesn't say. The last verse in the book of Acts is preaching the kingdom of God, teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. So that sounds great. And obviously we know there's going to be a bunch of letters now that appear in the rest of the New Testament. The epistles of Paul, as long, along with some epistles of, of Peter and John as well, but mostly Paul's epistles. So, what do we know about Paul's death? According to the traditions that are out there, number one, the most widely accepted, is that Paul was executed by a beheading in Rome during the reign of the Emperor Nero. And this account is most widely accepted because it's mentioned in early Christian writings, such as the Acts of Paul, the writings of Tertullian and Eusebius, a great Christian historian. So it's believed that he would have been granted a relatively honorable form of execution. I mean, if I had to choose crucifixion or beheading, I think I'd choose beheading. The second theory is the, that Nero's persecution killed Paul, that Nero blamed Christians for the great fire of Rome in 64 AD, and that Paul, being an inf influential figure, would have been a prime target. Third, Roman martyrology. Did you know there was such a study as martyrology? The Roman martyrology, which is an official catalog of saints recognized by the Catholic Church, states that Paul was beheaded on June 29th, and this date is widely commemorated as the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul on the Christian calendar. And now these are Christian traditions and historical writings rather than direct biblical evidence. But while the beheading in Paul is in Rome is the most widely accepted theory, the exact circumstances of Paul's death cannot be definitely determined and some degree of uncertainty remains. Now, going to verse by verse, the Acts, Acts through Revelation, a book by D. Kelly Ogden and Andrew C. Skinner, one of my favorite commentaries, they said, the present book of Acts ends here. But we know that Paul was imprisoned a second time in Rome. Tradition and literary sources, that's the way they put it, indicate that Paul and Peter were both killed during the Neronian persecutions in Rome sometime before A.D. 68. So that's when Paul is martyred, but what an impact. And I love to think of Paul being so equipped speaking different languages, knowing so much about different religious traditions, 
And it's so fun to see him teach differently in the synagogue than with the Gentiles or the Greeks and what he appeals to. It's, it's delightful to see him teach and use the tools that the Lord has given him. So you've heard me say before, he was not just an instrument in the Lord's hands. He was more like a Swiss army knife. He could do all sorts of, of different things and appeal to different people because of the gifts and talents that he had. So as we continue, we will get to see how Paul wrote to the churches in different places and use those same talents to persuade them and to point them to Christ who saved him on his road to Damascus. Thanks, and we will talk to you next time.